Good morning. This is Coffee with the Sarlos, and I'm Karen. Good morning, and I'm Kelly. Today we're going to start with show notes. Um, We like to advertise our Evening with Medium events that are coming up this year. We've already sold out our April event. We have tickets on sale, but not too many left for August 24th, as well as December 14th. Those are available on the website. You can catch our Sips of Sanity podcast show at bysarlo.com. It is 10-minute shows, um, the first of every month for the first Monday to Friday. And we usually pick a theme and then we go with it for the month to help educate you to build your emotional intelligence toolkit. We both offer one-on-one personal sessions and you can purchase those and experience them anywhere in the world, as well as gift certificates. Those can be purchased at any denomination to or from anyone anywhere in the world. And last but not least, Kelly and I do public speaking events. And we've got a lot more coming up in the future here in North Bay. But we can also do podcasts. So if you would like to reach out to us for any reason, just find your way to the website by sarlo.com. Okay, today's show. We have a special guest for you today. She's been on our show prior to this a few times. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That's correct. She's a lover of animals. She has the North Bay Animal Hospital here in North Bay. And we welcome back Dr. Karen Barnes. Oh, thanks for having me. You're very welcome, Karen. So today we're going to go a little bit all over the place in our conversation. But we're going to start off because you've been traveling around getting new certifications to add to your practice as a veterinarian in our city, correct? That's correct. Yeah, so this has been an interesting uh, adventure that started um, with an idea that there may be ways to treat my uh, aging, arthritic, painful patients uh, that didn't involve just medical management with medication. There might be other ways uh, to help them. In that in that journey, I discovered um, a course on canine rehabilitation, which I pursued through uh, a veterinary group in Florida. And many, many hours of online classes and in-class work and an internship to finally get certified. And uh, so now I've included this as part of my practice. And we can talk a little bit about what that involves. But it uh, has been a huge augment to my ability to help animals in a whole bunch of different ways, both uh, in healing and in pain control. And, uh, well, maybe I'll open it up, see if you have some questions that you want to ask about it first. So you're saying it's hands-on? This is physical therapy? Yes, it's physical therapy. We, we're, we're not allowed to call ourselves physical therapists, but basically it's the this, this same type of treatment that your human physiotherapist would use on you, but I'm doing it on animals. So it involves manual therapies like massage and joint mobilizations. Um, it involves using modalities such as laser and ultrasound, uh, therapeutic exercise and stretching to help animals with musculoskeletal problems postoperatively after orthopedic surgeries, with wound healing, uh, with any kind of healing of any kind of inflammatory process. We use it uh, after dental extractions. Uh, We use some of our modalities like laser. Most of my patients that I've started with have been animals that have had uh, muscle tendon or ligament injuries and have come in um, for treatment. And some of those treatments uh, involve dealing with the the primary injury itself, and then also some of the uh, compensation that happens when the body is adjusting to using itself in a way to accommodate for the injury, and some of that compensation ends up causing problems as well. 
That's the very same darn thing for us humans. It is, yeah. So anybody listening who has a pet that has any injury could identify with what you're saying. Might be turning up the volume. But if you don't have a pet going through it and you can relate to it as a human being that you've had your own or that you've had, you know, your own hip pain and then all of a sudden your knee hurts or in your feet or whatever. Anybody that has had those experiences can relate to the need for a veterinarian or somebody to be able to help our pets. So Karen, you learn to do this for dogs? Dogs and and I've had, had some feline patients too, but mostly dogs because they tend to be more active. And uh, the other really neat thing about this is that my patients to get this kind of therapy are coming in a couple times a week. Uh, and they're coming in for anywhere from four to eight weeks. And I'm sort of starting to develop a relationship with these pets because I'm seeing them on a regular basis. So I've, I've got my hands on them all the time so I can see the subtle changes of things that are improving or things that aren't improving on a day-to-day basis and the other really neat thing is that the pets get to like coming in to have this done because it makes them feel better so we see them anxious to come in the door and owners really excited about the fact that their pets want to be there is it normal for most i'll say most dogs maybe cats you'll have to catch me here to see their that they have anxiety typically when they're going into the vet office because they're there for a I don't know. A painful procedure, uh, potentially. Was, yeah. Something as simple as vaccination or something as complicated and painful as a surgical procedure, for sure. So part of our practice, we try and really make it a positive experience for pets in the hope that regardless of what they're coming in for, they're not going to have that negative feeling when they come back that next time. And that might be using a simple distraction when we're doing a simple procedure so that they're not aware that we're giving the vaccination or um, providing... Uh, really comprehensive pain control when they're coming out of a surgical procedure so they don't have, um, they're not remembering that there was a pain component to that procedure. But regardless, you know, some pets still are are anxious because they're in a strange environment. Uh, There's other animals around uh, that they're reacting to in people. There's different emotional states of uh, people in the clinic that they're responding to. So certainly we still see anxious animals in the clinic, but the more they come in and have a positive experience, the more excited they are about coming in. And, and that's what I'm finding with the rehab is that uh, we actually have a couple patients that have been coming in regularly for probably close to six months, um, some very dedicated owners with some animals with some chronic conditions, and those pets come in cu- twice a week, and they're so excited to be there. So they kind of become part of our little clinic family, uh, which is really neat. And, uh, and I do get to put my hands on these animals all the time. So I'm seeing the subtle changes and I'm thinking of one specific patient, an, an older dog who I noticed a little bit of weight loss and sort of prompted the owner, well, maybe we should be checking a bit of blood work and found out that the dog was in some really, really early stages of some renal problems. And we were able to catch it really early. So that was, for me, that was really great. Where the, the owner might not have noticed the changes that I noticed and it may have gone on for a couple months before he brought the dog in. Um, part of the therapy is done with my hands and then part of the, some of the therapy, uh, we use equipment. And one of the pieces of equipment that I found very valuable, uh, is a laser therapy unit. I didn't really know much about this technology till I took this course. Laser therapy is actually, uh, very specific wavelengths of light that are generated by this piece of equipment that penetrate, uh, about three to four centimeters into tissue. And uh, depending on the wavelength that you use can have pain-killing effects 
and can have healing effects on the tissue. Now, this seemed a little bit Star Trekian to me in the beginning. Um, you know, this is just light we're putting on these tissues. How is this possible? But there's actually a fair bit of science behind it. The wavelength of light that's used to heal tissues, um, I'll get a little bit technical here, so bear with me if you, if you don't have a lot of biology background, but that light penetrates the cells. The cells are, are like little individuals. They have their own little organs in them that have different purposes. And the cells, they call them organelles. So there's a nucleus that's the brain of the cell. There's the ribosomes that make the protein. And then there's the mitochondria, which is the little engine, the, the, the energy producer of the cell. And the light, those light rays go in there, that energy goes in there and affects the mitochondria and allows it to produce more energy, increase its metabolism to help that those cells to heal. So that's how it works in a healing capacity. In a painkilling capacity, the, the energy of the light actually slows down the nerve conduction of those, those uh, nerves that produce the pain, which is very cool too. Um, so I, I bought this very expensive piece of equipment, hoping that it, you know, with what it promised was what it did. And, and certainly in animals, I see a huge response to this uh, in a positive way. Uh, unlike people where uh, the power of suggestion can influence how you feel about a treatment, animals, there's no placebo effect, right? So when we use a treatment on them, they either respond or they don't. Uh, it's not influenced by their judgment. And uh, I see a, a real positive response uh, to using this laser. And uh, there's other modalities too that use, use energy. There's, there's um, ultrasound therapy that's very effective. There's an electrical stimulation therapy that's very effective. Uh, all these energies uh, working on tissues and cells in the body to help with healing. And that got me thinking uh, a little bit about my own energy. I've got my hands on these dogs for a good portion of the time too. And we know from lots of different sources, and maybe you guys can talk about this a little bit more, uh, meridians and chakras and the energy that, that comes from our bodies uh, and how that might affect the healing of these animals. Maybe I'll open it up to, to your comments about that. Energy healers do practice Reiki, therapeutic touch, quantum touch, all kinds of modalities, or several of them, on our pets. And I think a good number of people who want to learn about it do it to help themselves, their family, and their pets. Well, and it makes sense to me now that sort of have gone through this little rehab journey and learning about the energy sources that affect healing in, in the animals, that, that other sources of energy may have healing effects too. You know, we go back to, I thought of, uh, thought of today, uh, Isaac Newton's old, one of his laws of physics was that energy is never lost right? It's only moved from one form to the other. So whether that's light energy, sound energy, electrical energy, thermal energy, uh, always, it, it always exists as a, a finite amount of energy. It's just moving from one form to the other. And that's what's happening when the laser is affecting the cell or the ultrasounds affecting the cell and probably your energy healing affecting the cell. Yeah, we study that when we study quantum physics. That's right. And some people don't understand, or maybe not all energy healers study quantum physics mm -hmm. to be able to understand what they're doing. Because if you take a Reiki course or a therapeutic touch course, they explain it maybe generally with certain teachers, but with some teachers and facilities, they don't teach you any of that. Mm -hmm. They teach you to visualize. They teach you other things. They don't teach us the quantum physics behind it, which is what you're explaining to people 
in terms of what you learned with pets. Mm -hmm. So if someone is listening to this and has taken an energy healing course, I would imagine they're turning up their volume right now to listen to what you're saying about it. Because we don't get that. Well, I won't say we, I did. But I searched for that education outside of those modalities. Out of curiosity, Karen, to Mm -hmm. be able to understand it, like with Carl Llewellyn and all kinds of metaphysicists as well, to understand what's happening within the human body, where our thoughts take our energy and put it through different processes. Well, that's interesting. So this, my thinking then went to, well, I mean, there's both positive and negative energy. And and like I see animals react to positive, my own positive energy or negative energy, if that's maybe emotional energy. And then how, how do we ensure that the energy that we give off in a healing way uh, is positive? Is that all about intention? Well, I would say hugely yes. So that you can understand that the other aspects of who you are, you're still allowed to be. So if you have your own physical pain, you're not projecting that into the person that you're treating. Mm. Your intention intercepts that. Okay. This brings me back to several years ago being in Toronto at an I Can Do It conference listening to Greg Braden. So if anybody's listening to this right now and is thinking, how do I wrap my head around what Karen and Karen are saying? I invite them to Google and to go to YouTube to listen to some of Greg Braden's information to research how he presents that because he does fantastic presentations with scientific data about what you're saying. And we can't jam that all into one of our shows, but he has a plethora of information that's both visual and audio. Sometimes it's really difficult to explain touch and the effects that it has on another person. And in this case, Karen, for you, a dog or a cat or a pet. But anybody who has a pet knows firsthand how important the sensory of touch is. And touch and energy are, I'll say, one and the same, even though we can use energy visually. We can just think it in our mind and we still create energy. It's how we create a new book. It's how we create a new piece of music. We always think of those in terms of artistry, but it's also how we create a new iPad. We have to have energy and a collective consciousness to do it. Mm, I really like that analogy. Yeah. Yeah. And, And if people can break it down to just between them and their cat or them and their dog, but then also think, well, geez, yeah, then I can also relate it to healing. I feel better. Because we want to break it down to what I feel. Mm -hmm. Because as humans, we do want it in very simple terms we can figure out. That's right. Or explain to the Mm non-believer that this actually does exist. We want to make it relatable to something they get. Or we lose them in the conversation. That's right. I really like the examples that you gave, Mom. And my my head went to all of the very codependent examples, which I, I kind of find funny. But you're talking about creation of really great productive things. And when we're talking about energy or the need for rehabilitation, I tend to want to go to that crowd where 
when they are in pain, whether it's emotional or physical, they often look at a pet like, I need love. I need you to get over here so I can touch you. And reaching out and doing the touching tends to soothe us or make us feel more at ease, right? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it lowers our blood pressure, it lowers our heart rate. I think I've mentioned this in other podcasts, how they've, they've scientifically proven that the, the frequency of a cat purr has a healing, is a healing frequency mm-hmm. for a person. So yeah, all those, all those positive emotional effects that then have a physiological effect. And, and the reason I wanted to bring this up is because I think it's very, very easy for any pet lover or pet owner to understand how quickly our energy can change when we feel that love or nurturance from the pet. But now you're talking about applying this type of energy for or to the pet. That's, yeah. So I'm just trying to kind of draw different parallels so that people can wrap their head around the type of energy as well as what you said, intention. So here's an interesting thought. If, If I can gain some comfort and some healing from my pet... Can my pet gain, gain some comfort and some healing from me? Exactly. Or from my vet. <laughs> That's right. Can we take that to maybe just an, for a quick moment to a global picture? So if we're doing that on small scales where we think we're really not very big in the grand scheme of things on earth, it kind of brings us back to what power can be too by doing small things. That's right. It's that exponential effect of, of, of the add-on of small bits and pieces being oh, added on to each other. Karen, this comes right to the conversation about quantum physics and what it is. Mm-hmm. So if people don't understand and haven't researched or studied, because, you know, when we go to high school, we study chemistry and we get physics and we get calculus. We get certain types of science, but we don't get all types of science. That's right. And so perhaps today, when people are hearing about energy healing, you are laying on of hands in different ways. And I say in different ways, because you can be doing it in a particular way where it's just energy. And I'll say it's always that because a massage therapist and a physiotherapist lay their hands on us. That's right. But they're still using their energy. It is a pressure, but there is also energy. Not one thing, it's two. And we've always had that, but we've never fully understood it until science caught up to be able to prove it to us. And so in a good way, it's nice to need the proof, but I'm so grateful for all of the people that don't need to have the scientific proof first. That's right. Because those are the forerunners that run out there and get something done until science sometimes can catch up and say, good work, you guys. And we need both. We need both types of people. So Karen, as an energy healer, Kelly and I have been taught certain things. Through our modalities, we can be taught things like um, to use colors, to visualize. Are you taught stuff like that? No, not at all. So the things that I'm taught for my rehab are... They're touch related, but they're um, based on feel. And then, the, of course, the modal, the, the technical modalities I'm using are are based on um, some form of energy, that light energy or electrical energy or sound energy in the case of ultrasound. So these are things that humans have made with machines. Yes. That get applied to the pet. Yeah. Um, that are transmitted through electricity. 
That's Is that right. Correct. That's correct. So they're using electricity to do it. That's right. Okay. Well, I also want to point out that you're doing manual manipulation, and that's, that's right. That's that's following pieces of intuition, but also touch where you're finding the pathology, right? That's Coming right. Coming back to where the stiffness originates from or the, the issue originates from, right? Well, and that's, this is, um, this is sort of an interesting part about this is that there is actually an art to, to doing the manual therapies because it is, a, it is so much related to feel. I love this conversation. I have this with massage therapists and physios all the time. So when I go see MJ, and everybody who's listening to the show knows about MJ, she does physiotherapy for the pelvis. And there are techniques. So yes, you have to apply certain pressure. There's a technique of emotion. But she has to use intuitiveness to know. There's a combination. It's not all one aspect. It has to be both parts of the human being. So Karen, my question is, do you, did you find in learning this that you were encouraged to use both? Yeah, by the instructors, yes. Yes, I was. So we, we, were, we were instructed the techniques, but then very much encouraged to use our own feel and how to develop that feel uh, to accomplish the things that we needed to do. And we were also told that that would take some time because you have, and it's true, you have to do something over and over and over again to develop a second sense about it. Oh, we've always said intuition is a muscle. Yeah, yeah. And that's interesting because I've always, some people might not consider surgery an art, um, but that's my love of surgery is, is the combination of, of the technical expertise and the art of doing it. Because there is, there is a feel to, to doing surgery, an art to doing surgery. Well, and, and finesse yes. as well. Anything yep. that takes finesse is definitely artistic. That's right. I like this. Everybody knows I like when we can acknowledge all the different facets of being a human being within a profession. Any opportunity to blend all of our abilities in anything that expresses who we are, especially when we're expressing it from person to person or from person to animal or from person to nature. Because it allows our human experience to be full and gratifying. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And it also gives us permission to be more of who we are. Because I think about every time someone looks at Parker and says, you know, asks a question about where we care for him, and I talk about you, one of the first things that I bring up is how you follow your intuition. It's not just about the years of experience, it's about how you feel your way through your practice. And when you see people register that type of information, you can see the desire for that in their own life. Well, and I think, I think when you're privileged enough as I am to have a passion for what you do, then then that intuitive part of your of your profession uh, is allowed to grow. That was gold. <laughs> I was just sitting back like my jaw dropped. I just don't think that everybody... Oh, I just hope that this is just a part of everybody's morning where they just heard truly what you said, Karen. Deeply, because we're talking about our pets. Pet lovers are so going to be hooked into your podcast. Well, I, you know, I think of sort of related, let's relate it on the opposite end. Say you go into work and, you know, I'm sure there's people that work in factories that are passionate about what they do. But if you're going in and working in a factory and it's something you don't like doing and you're there to get the paycheck, 
and you have no passion for it, how can how can that possibly tap into the creative side of you and 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 fill you up? I had this experience. I had this experience in a past career as a, in those days it was called secretary. Now it's called office administration, which is fine. Um, but I was in a position in a job that was, um, how do you say that? Just automatic, not much going on. It was just something you had to do over and over, repetitive, much like what you're saying a factory job is. And I remembered thinking that I couldn't die there. I just remembered that thought. But I remembered also thinking that I had to make the most of it in some way. And this is one of the places where I started engaging in my intuition. Because the job didn't afford me intellectual stimulation. So because there was a lack of intellectual component to the job, other another aspect of who I am as a human being surfaced to present itself as an opportunity to kick me in the ass and ask me if I wanted to grow. And I'm so grateful for that in some ways, although who's grateful for that boring part of the job, but it engaged me. So I'm grateful that you have figured something out. You didn't have the boredom, Karen. You had the opposite end of it. You had the stimulation of and the desire and the passion. So I'm saying you can be on both ends of the spectrum and still want to connect mm -hmm. because you're talking about connecting to things. That's right. And that is intuitive. Okay, but also listeners are going, well, Karen, what part of me was supposed to emerge? I'm, I'm in that job. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're so funny. So is my, <laughs> I don't know if I'm gapping out or not, but is it not your intuitive part where you know you're connected to everything, where it's energy, where everything is energy? Yes, I understand that. I'm saying that if they haven't yet had that revelation, but they can identify that they're in that monotonous job, how did you go and seek out and have those affirmations that your intuition was growing? I created games. There you go. Thank you very much, Kelly, for baiting me along in this podcast today for the listeners. <laughs> I'm sure they're all thanking you too. <laughs> I, I played games and now I teach them so that people could do exactly what you're doing, Karen, by trying to say that they see energy. And some people say, I can't see anything. I don't get colors. I don't get it. I don't feel. I don't. I don't. But you have to patiently work it like a muscle some people want it instantly and if they don't get it day one it's like I'm, I'm the hell out of here but Karen I imagine you didn't go to this course and say at day one I'm out of here if I don't get it all no you, you sit and you learn it and you practice it intuitiveness is the same playing with energy and becoming aware of it is the same and you have to do all that groundwork that maybe isn't all that interesting like relearning all that anatomy and uh which took hours and hours and was kind of painful um, to get to the point where all that groundwork was done and I could go on, move on and do the stuff that I wanted to learn. I like that analogy because then if I think about intuitiveness and groundwork, we still kind of have to go back to the things that we knew that were okay as kids, but got pulled out of us by school systems and by movies and society to say, oh, that's all crap and bullshit. It's work. To fight against those systems that want to squander that away from us. They want to take it away so that we don't have that joy. 
being able to use your energy and your intuition to help pets heal, I bet makes you feel pretty good. Yeah, and it's it's a fun little adventure experimenting with it, right? Day to day. And that doesn't mean that every day is perfect or every day is wonderful and there's still bad days and tough days and boring days sometimes. But on the whole, at least with my profession, it's always it's usually a little bit of an adventure in some way. And now my adventure is with this rehab, you know, where's that going to take me uh, in terms of connecting? Oh, I'm excited to hear over the years how your interpretation of the energy component will change. You're, you're talking today, uh, you know, ground level one, so to speak, that you're using some of the tools. So we're hearing about the tools that, that you know, are the equipment that facilitates some of these healings. And now you're also talking about that you're feeling it in your hands. Eventually, is Karen going to come back and talk about how she feels it in her heart, how she has an inner knowing, how she got it the night before, how she dreamt about it, where there are coincidences, where the, and so on and so on goes the story when you open up intuitive parts of yourself. It's exciting to hear that it's actually part of a program, even though it's slightly different than what Kelly and I do. We're still saying it's energy mm-hmm. and that energy has different forms and different ways that it works. Why can't we put them all into the same sandbox, throw them around and play and see what we get? That's right. I mean, for me, it was um, not that I didn't think that energy healing was a, um, a reasonable therapeutic option, but it, it validated um, through this experience for me that the power uh, that energy can do, even if the energy I'm using is different than the energy that you're using. It was a bit of a revelation that, hey... Uh, if, if the laser works, why can't this, why can't the energy that I give off work? What, or the, or, or I got thinking about the sun the other day. We're in the middle of February here in North Bay and it's been dreary and awful and there was a beautiful sunny day and I stepped outside and that sun on my face, uh, I stood there for five minutes and I thought, why does the sun make us feel so good? Because it hits your mitochondria. There! <laughs> Probably, to some degree, Right. But um, it just got me thinking about other energies and the healing powers of other energies. And that's what I, I thought I would bring to this conversation today. I'm so very glad that you are, because I hope what it does is, because we don't get all types of education, and we can't in school systems, we do have to go outside of that. We do have to stretch ourselves and find it like you did in a different type of school. We do have to search for those experiences, whether it's somebody that's walking in the bush trying to find it what energy is, or whether it's somebody holding their baby or their dog, or holding someone's hand or cooking a meal, the energy in our food, Mm -hmm. the energy in music, the energy in exchange in a conversation. Oh, there's just a million ways to try and find that. And are people engaged? Are they looking? Exactly. Uh, Yeah, are they looking? And I think that's maybe what this has done for me is to, to, to start to have me look at other other ways that energy is affecting things. I think that was a lot of fun. That went in a whole bunch of different directions. I know, but it was great. <laughs> and I mean, what a nice way to spend our time recording. What a nice way to spend your afternoon or your morning pondering things. Because uh, hopefully, like any other show that we've done, it's opening up discussion. Right, yeah. I hope people think about their own energy, whether it's good or bad, and whether they're putting out things that are productive or destructive 
in their conversations, in the way they look at somebody, the way they touch somebody, or the way they withhold all kinds of energy from another person, trying to get control over them in some way or hurt them. There is a ton of information about it if people actually want to educate themselves about it. But I hope people this Saturday morning sit back and decide what their own energy is going to be by choice instead of by feeling that just they're going to respond to whatever happens to them today. That's something good to think about, mm-hmm. I think. Karen, thank you so much for coming back. We always appreciate you being here. Well, thanks for having me. That was a fun conversation. If you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at If you have questions for Karen as well, please send us your questions. We'll forward them on to her uh, with regards to the, the therapy and the rehabilitation for animals. Otherwise, have a wonderful weekend.